Greetings and welcome to the Christopher Anastasio podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Anastasio. It's Friday, May 27th, 2022. Uh, and this is episode 75. So really can't believe uh, I've got that many episodes under the belt now so far, but uh, screaming towards 100 episodes, a magic number. And super excited about that. Actually, guys, I cranked a bunch of episodes out earlier in May. Uh, had a family obligation in middle May. I uh, got to spend the whole week uh, with my son. Uh, absolute bliss. Um, so, so it was tough coming back from that. Didn't re- really record much content that week. And really hadn't recorded any video content in a little while. So I've really been focusing on that over on the Facebook pages and, and uh, even posting some of that stuff over on Twitter. So that's really where I've been, kind of been with, 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 with those items. But wanted to jump in and get a, get, a, get a podcast episode in before the Memorial Day weekend kicks off. And I, I just had a couple quick hits for you guys today. Sort of a little bit of a round-robin type effect. Uh, that I'll be going through here, just getting some water first. Okay, um, so first thing I just had to say right off the bat, guys, I just got to get this off my chest. Uh, and I, I've said this in, in one-on-one individual conversations, but I just have to kind of throw this out there into the into the, the, the metaverse, if you will. Um, it, just in terms of the way I view politics and politicians and so forth, obviously not even naming any parties, I'm just literally saying politicians. Um, you know, because there's a lot going on in the country, and there's a lot of terrible things going on in the country, and just so very, very macro, macro level. Um, I, I kind of, and I tweeted about this earlier today. It was actually kind of a tweet that made me chuckle, but, and I'll paraphrase it. I might come close enough to quoting it, but I said something like, as soon as I hear somebody wants to, quote, run for office, all I hear is, quote, I want power, unquote, and I ignore them forever after. And so what I mean by that, guys, is I kind of view, um, and, and you know, obviously I'm of Italian descent, just so happens to turn out I'm 100% of Italian descent, kind of stunned me when I did Ancestry.com. Um, basically, uh, so I'm going to use an analogy here that I feel like I have some license to use, and that is, uh, you know, comparing, you know, a political body like a Congress or, you know, I mean, it could be any country to the mafia, right? So let's say, let's say I was in a conversation with you. You knew, you know, hey, I'm Chris Anastasio. I'm 100% Neapolitan Italian. And I said to you, hey, uh, I'm thinking about joining the mafia. Well, the very first thing you would think of, I think, when you heard that would be, geez, I wonder why Chris wants to be a criminal, right? Because you, you already know that being in that organization means you have to be a criminal. It's like a prerequisite, right? Like, I mean, you don't go in the mafia to turn it into a charitable organization. You don't, you don't join the mafia to, you know, walk old ladies across the street, right? You, you go into the mafia to be a criminal, to perform criminal acts for your own self-aggrandizement as well as the greater good of the organization, theoretically, even though it doesn't really happen anymore. So to me, I view somebody saying, I want to join the House of Representatives. I want to join the United States Senate as akin to me saying, I want to join the mafia. Because when somebody tells me that they, you know, if I, or I just see somebody on TV or whatever, saying, hey, I want to be, you know, a U.S. representative. I want to be a U.S. senator. What you're telling me is that above all other things, you name anything that's important to you. I don't care what it is. Above any of those things, you value power and the, the curation of, the holding of power as your primary objective. Now, in most cases, I'm guessing it's the sole objective, but I would definitely feel comfortable saying it is the primary objective. And then anything else you went there to do, 
is secondary. Now, if you said, no, Chris, there, there really are some who go there to make changes and make things happen. Well, then you know what I think about them? I think they're stupid. And I don't think they're qualified to run the country. Because if you actually believe, like you actually could convince me that you believe that you're going to enter that organization and change anything substantial, change anything that matters to the people who hold strings and fund the government through their massive political contributions and so forth, then I think you're stupid. Just like you would think I was stupid if, if I said, hey guys, I'm going to go in the mafia and make it a peaceful organization. I'm going to go in the mafia and make it a non-criminal organization. You would say, geez, you're pretty stupid, Chris. <laughs> There's no way that you're going to be able to achieve that. Because that's not what that organization does. That's not why that organization exists. So, same deal for politics. Now, of course, I'm using harsh language here. I don't actually think anybody's stupid. I don't actually pass any judgment like that. Uh, but I have, to, I have to, you know, wonder a little bit if somebody really, really, truly believes that that's what's going to happen when somebody goes there, uh, that they're going to be totally different from their peers or totally different from what history has dictated. I just... I just can't get on board with that. Uh, I do understand, however, the concept of playing it a little Machiavellian, like, hey, I'm supporting a certain candidate uh, who's going to go there and do their political maneuvering, and oh, by the way, they're also going to accomplish a couple things that are important to me. I think if you look at it that way, it's much more realistic, it's much more palatable, or maybe sadly palatable, uh, that if you, if you realize, like, yeah, okay, you know, my guy is the same as your guy, they both want power but my guy is going to actually do a couple things that I care about, that I can understand more. And that, that's something that, um, you know, even if I don't necessarily follow along with that approach, I can understand why, why people um, value that in making their, or casting their political votes and stuff like that. So I just had to get that off my chest, guys. Uh, turbulent times, obviously, in the country, so just had to kind of throw that out there. A um, couple of quick updates. I have the three big things I want to just throw out there for you guys. Number one, uh, sort of random order here. Uh, got my virtual assistant working hard on the Amazon project. You know, something I don't really do a whole lot with. I just kind of monitor it from the background. Um, I did sell on Amazon back in 2010, 11, and 12. So I have a little bit of familiarity there, but I got the, the VA kind of cranking away. Uh, I think I mentioned it a couple times uh, earlier in the month. Uh, but anyway, uh, new tool that we came across called Zonbase. I guess the Zon is the ending portion of the word Amazon. Uh, but Zonbase... Um, a couple guys created this piece of software, super powerful, does all kinds of crazy things with analyzing products and pricing and timing and seasonality and so forth. And, you know, can even do gee whiz things like enhancing your product photos and, and uh, you know, running pay-per-click ad campaigns uh, on autopilot for you. So it has a lot of bells and whistles. Sometimes uh, the danger, you know, kind of warning sign here is that when a product promises so many things like that, uh, you sometimes wonder if it breaks down somewhere and doesn't really deliver what it's promising. And then even if it delivers elsewhere, just the fact that it didn't deliver one thing very well can really kind of spoil the whole party. So anyway, very curious about this tool. Uh, it would potentially eliminate some of the other stuff that the VA and I either uh, considered uh, using or were using. Uh, we have a couple tools in place right now, one called Keepa and one called SourceMogul. I've probably mentioned those on, on the podcast here before. But anyway, so this tool looks like it could, it could, you know, sort of edge out, you know, so, excuse me, some of these other tools that, that, that we've come across along the way. So 
Anyway, bottom line there, guys, is uh, definitely uh, definitely going to uh, you know do a trial with that uh, software. Let the VA kind of run it. You know, I'll be giving them strategic input from afar, and we'll see what we can generate. I mean, I'm kind of excited about it because we're coming into the holiday season. Uh, you know, normally this is, you know, from a retailer perspective, this is when you start getting ginned up for that post-Labor Day, you know, it gets earlier and earlier every year, but you get, you know, ginned up for that post-Labor Day holiday push. And so, um, you know, kind of using, you know, the June, July, August months to really kind of stock up, uh, whether it's inventory I keep here at my storage unit or uh, uh, ship out to Amazon uh, FBA. So anyway, just wanted to update you guys on that. Uh, obviously, as, as, as we use the tool, as we kind of unfurl it for, for, for our purposes. I'll definitely be checking back in here with you guys and letting you know what I think about it. Um, second item that I just wanted to throw out there for you guys, kind of exciting, uh, you know, personally, you know, from a reading perspective, uh, you know, researching perspective, really, really diving into things like limited partnerships and the triple threat. I have a whole episode on the triple threat partnership. I mean, triple, yeah, triple threat um, uh, entity structure uh, way back. I mean, I think I made that episode like at least yeah, it was like late 2020, so like a year and a half ago. Uh, so you guys can check that out if you want to. Uh, you know, a somewhat intricate entity structure. It makes sense to me on paper. Uh, when I came across it, there's an attorney in uh, Houston, Texas, I think it was, or around Houston, who put that paper out and said, hey, this is how you really should be forming your, your business entities, uh, your structure. It's more like how wealthy people do it. Uh, you might as well take advantage of the things that they do in your own businesses and stuff. So it, it's kind of caught my attention. I, I sort of balked on it because I realized that even if it's legitimate, it is a big shift for me in terms of the number of tax returns that have to be done, the amount of administration that needs to take place. So I kind of backed away from it. I've just kind of been ruminating for like the last 18 months on it. So I've gotten back into it a little bit, and I ordered two books that uh, showed up this week, uh, one by Garrett Sutton. Of course, if you're a Rich Dad guy, you know, and you follow that, uh, that whole thing, uh, you will definitely recognize Garrett Sutton, who does all the corporate stuff for Robert Kiyosaki. Uh, he wrote a book in 20, I think the latest edition was 2019, uh, titled something like uh, Limited Liability Companies and Limited Partnerships. So he goes into how to use limited partnerships, when to use them, things of that nature. Uh, so excited to, to dive into that book. The Rich Dad books are very digestible. So, I mean, this might sound like a arcane subject, but I mean, if you are interested in it, I would definitely say uh, that the Rich Dad books, like the Garrett Sutton ones, are pretty good to start with. Then over on the other side, uh, book-wise, the other one that I got, um, and here comes the siren down, uh, you know, down the highway here. God. Uh, anyway, so um, so yeah, just right on time. Um, so the other book is um, a book called Family Business Entities by attorney uh, Lu Luis Mazzullo, M-E-Z-Z-U-L-L-O, um, and I believe is an attorney out in Rancho Santa Fe in California. Uh, but anyway. Um, he, he basically wrote this book, Family Business Entities. It's more like a textbook, so it's a little looks a little drier than the Sutton book, but uh, it, nonetheless, looks like it has the stuff I'm looking for. How to more so how to use like limited partnership structures and family partnerships to house estates. You know, like to put you know when you're planning trusts and estates, kind of get everything in there and protect it there and optimize it. So I'm excited to get dive into that book now. Uh, when I looked up Missoula online, I found his law firm that he's, that he's of counsel with. Uh, I believe it's uh, Withers, W-I-T-H-E-R-S. I posted this over on the Instagram account. Uh, but anyway, Withers, uh, what was really interesting about Withers in general was how much family office stuff they do. My understanding of a family office, and I'm, I'm literally going to look this up while I'm talking to you guys right now. 
Um, so family office, so I'll just read it to you right here off Wikipedia, or Investopedia. Family offices are private wealth management advisory firms that serve ultra high net worth individuals. They're different from traditional wealth management shops in that they offer a total outsourced solution to managing the financial investment side of an affluent individual or family. So, you know, if you have a crap ton of money and you have so many different strategies at your disposal and maybe you've employed a bunch of them, it really bringing that all under one roof is super important rather than having you know, 18 different agencies handling your stuff. So for me, I mean, I, I do not pretend to be in the ultra high net worth category. Uh, you know, I'm kind of at the opposite end of the spectrum. But what's important to me in this concept is they're doing something, you know, the ultra high net worth individuals, they're doing something that they're doing for a reason. There's some blueprint, some fractal, you know, clue set in what they're doing with a family office that can maybe be replicated at a lower, smaller level, smaller extent um, at the, you know, at the individual and the, the, the middle class, uh, you know, level. You know, given that, you know, if your interest is in investing your money and kind of trying different things, you know, you got stock market stuff, you got real estate, you got all kinds of different things, that, that to sort of bring these things together in a cohesive sort of effort, uh, there's no harm done there. And I think, you know, you don't have to spend a lot of money on bringing your, I mean, first of all, I don't think most people could get into a family office, but, but, but regardless, you don't have to go there. But if you just replicate some of the approaches and the strategies and so forth, I think you, you, you know, you can kind of benefit from that. Now you got to know what you're, what you're handling uh, if you do something like that. So you either got to really go deep into it yourself or you got to kind of enlist a, uh, you know, lawyer, CPA, et cetera, to kind of help you get things set up and run them. Uh, but anyway, so I think there are clues there uh, that I'm kind of interested in. I'd like to see what, what, what Withers has to say about this stuff. They actually have a podcast about fam- family offices. I think they did six or seven episodes on it, sort of a limited run series. Uh, so I'll definitely be diving into that too, guys, and let you know what, what that turns out to be. Um, but yeah, so excited about these two books, uh, Garrett Sutton, uh, Luis Mazzullo, and I will be talking more about those as I dive into them. Last thing I just want to mention to you guys, kind of anecdotally, uh, get the real estate properties kind of churning along. Um, you know, kind of entered 2021 with 60 properties with my partner. Uh, we've sold off 11 now, uh, I believe it is. So we're down at, at 49 properties. I kind of hate the fact that it's not a round number, but whatever. Um, so 49 properties uh, with, with 11 sold off. And I'll be honest with you guys, the numbers that we got for these houses compared to what we bought them at in 2014, utterly shocking. Can't believe some of the the uh, triplicate kind of valuations that we got on these on these houses, particularly in South Florida. Uh, so incredible lift from the inflationary environment that we found ourselves in. Uh, so just wanted to sort of attest to that, guys. And then at the same time, to attest to the fact that it has started to slow down. Uh, some other markets we tested out, like Memphis and stuff, listed houses there, couldn't get anybody to bite, had to bring the price down, got, got nickel and dimed out of the inspection. Uh, so the whole thing kind of fell apart there. Uh, over in Memphis. But the bottom line is I definitely see some flattening. I think houses are kind of losing steam. And it's really going to be interesting to see what the Fed is doing with their interest rate policy. Uh, you know, you got those 12 old guys sitting around the table, you know, picking out, you know, the price of wheat, grain, and milk, and eggs, and stuff like that indirectly um, by, by choosing the interest rate. But alas, that's the system we have. Um, so anyway, guys, next Fed meeting is June 14, 15. will be really, really fascinating to see if they do anything with interest rates then. Uh, you know, if they go higher or a lot higher all of a sudden to really stamp out inflation. Uh, but the bottom line is, um, we, we're, you know, at the real estate level, we're seeing the effects of this stuff. I uh, just want to let you guys kind of know that. And then at the same time, just looking at rents on these houses, like unbelievable 
leaps forward in the in the amount of rent that, that, that these houses can command. So, uh, you know, we've adjusted some of our rents. I, I won't say we've gone full on to the national level. Uh, it kind of feels a little bit wrong to do that. Um, you know, and, and maybe that's wrong to feel that way. But the bottom line is we have raised rents, but looking at what was capable, looking at what was possible is just absolutely stunning. So just kind of want to throw that out there to you guys, kind of a, in the trenches sort of viewpoint on what these things uh, are looking like out there, and it's, it's just absolutely crazy. Uh, so anyway, uh, really feels like a retrenchment. Could be around the corner. The question is, is it, a, is it a supernova like 2009, or is it something a little more mundane like 1994 or whatever the last one was? Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. But uh, anyway, staying tuned on that, and I'll definitely be talking to you guys more about it uh, here on the podcast. So anyway, I'm going to wrap it up here, guys. Hope everybody has a great Memorial Day weekend. Uh, definitely be back next week uh, with more content, uh, either video and or audio. So thanks again, guys. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you later.